Hello and welcome to Tea and Heresy. This is a podcast on history, magic, the occult, spirituality, literature, art, and the occasional socio-political rant. My name is Cassie. I hold a Bachelor of Arts and Honours degree in history, and I'm so grateful that you are sharing your presence with me today. I invite you to make yourself a cup of tea or coffee, or stop in somewhere for a takeaway as we're about to dive into some juicy discussions. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Tea and Heresy. It feels so good to be back. It has been a hot minute, but I am a manifesting generator, emotional authority, so I'm probably going to fall off the face of the earth for another couple of months again. (laughs) But we're back for the day and I am joined by a very, very special guest. I am joined by the host of the House of Mages Make Yoga Magic Again podcast, Daniel Arulian Cumming. He is a mischievous mage, a (laughs) classical tantric yoga teacher, an all-round amazing, incredible man, and I'm very fortunate to walk alongside life with him. So I will pass it over to you, Daniel, to just give a little synopsis of who you are, if you can do a (laughs) synopsis of the entire multifaceted human you are. And also, what got you into magic and yoga and and classical tantra? What an intro. Thank Mm. you. And yeah, it's very, uh, yeah, it's really good to finally sit down with you and do this because we have epic chats all the time. And there's so many of them that I wish we recorded. So I'm glad we've finally (laughs) taken the time to actually (laughs) actually do the thing. Just do the thing. Um, So yeah, so my name's Daniel Arulian Cumming, for those who don't know me. Um, So yeah, I do run a podcast. I'm focused on running yoga teacher training uh, under the name of Ritual Embodiment and the House of Mages is the kind of higher umbrella which brings in all the aspects of yoga and magic. And I got into magic, it's funny, I feel like a lot of people who are into spirituality and all these things kind of grew up with it, whereas I didn't at all. My family wasn't, didn't have any interest in it whatsoever. But I remember having a conversation with uh, my high school girlfriend And saying to her, like, don't you ever think about what the universe is and, like, what happens when you die and unpack all this sort of stuff. And I remember her just saying, no, like, why would you ever want to know that? And you're never going to figure it out. So why bother? It's a much easier path. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, kind of the whole um, cliched blue pill, red pill thing. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, for me, it, it... That was, like, the start of a little bit of an isolation and I feel like was the spark for a chain of events that led me to yeah just exploring in my own ways what the reality of the universe was from you know spending nights reading a lot of different um, major religion based texts to going to graveyards in the middle of um, the night to try to see if I could uh, you know find a spirit or find a ghost or something like that and for quite a long time I never really got any answers that Uh, satisfied me. Um, But then eventually I met someone who introduced me to this concept called magic and had given me a couple of books. And at that time, I was super, super skeptical, but just wanted something to exist, I guess, outside the five senses, outside of the muggle world, so to speak. And I started doing my own experiments with some very well-researched, well-put-together, scholarly-written books of magic. And 
I kind of got the answers I was looking for in ways that I didn't expect. So it wasn't like a big aha moment, um, but it, it, it kind of chipped away at my reality until I was willing to give it a proper go. And then, yeah, I was really lucky to be finding good teachers early on. Uh, when I say good teachers, not really so in person, uh, but more uh, authors that I really liked that I got in touch with and they had kind of magic schools going on. So I've studied abroad, studied online, and now I'm trying to bridge the worlds of magic and yoga because what a lot of people don't realize is a lot of the modern like occult magical traditions are very influenced by yoga and vice versa. Like, for example, I did a whole podcast on the seven chakra rainbow system being a completely 20th century invention by the occult magical world. And so, you know, I think people look at me strange sometimes where I talk about magic and yoga in the same sentence, yet they have no idea how interlinked mm. they are. And so, yeah, and also like yoga is really good for kind of flexing or training your magical muscles as well. So, you know, people who like manifest, <laughs> can't see my little air quotes that I'm doing. Throwing um, glitter around the place. Yeah, you know, like th they might kind of ha start to get an idea of how to work magic, but they're not essentially, like if you're not doing meditation, if you're not doing some like sort of breath work or some sort of like mindfulness training type methods, which we think of just, just like, you know, health and holistic benefits, but it's actually preparing yourself to interact with deeper parts of yourself or the cosmos as mm. well. And so, yeah, you might, you might kind of like know the direction to throw something to try to manifest something, but if you haven't developed your muscles either, um, yeah, I don't know if that's making sense. It is, It's yeah. kind of a long-winded answer. <laughs> and but. how, just before we get into the episode properly, but just how did the um, old-school yogis incorporate magic into their practice, or what was that link back then? Was it the through yoga they are reaching the divine and that was the purpose of it, or can you elaborate and talk into that? Yeah, well, it depends on the lineage because I think when people talk about Tantra and yoga or, or like magic or anything, um, people think that it's all the same, right? That uh, if you just say Tantra, then they've all got the same beliefs, the same practices, the same ideas, where that couldn't be further from the truth. And I think it just shows that no matter what, like even in religion, right? Mm. Even if you've got like the Abrahamic religions, you know, they're all come from kind of the same sources, but they've split off in like a hundred thousand different... Which to clarify is like Christianity, Judaism, Islam, and like another couple dozen. Yeah, even just like you're seeing from one book, you know, from one book, the Old Testament and all the different translations and interpretations and, and offshoots of that. Uh, similar thing happened with, with Tantra. So yoga originally in India, um, I mean, I won't get into the historical archaeological like kind of time frame of when yoga was but people guess uh, maybe anywhere from like 700 to 1800 bc or something like that um so before the common era uh, people expect yoga to have been around but could have been a lot longer whereas tantra came later tantra came uh around 700 800 uh common era at the earliest that we can find it might be earlier yeah, but that's the like earliest five, sources we got five to seven hundred 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it predominantly was around like the 1000 mark, I think it started to really, really take off. And so Tantra came as a direct rebellion against the path of the renunciate. And the so there was this big connection for quite a long time because you have to think of how these things evolve and where they come from, right? And so if we go from like, you know, hunter-gatherer type of living situations to civilization um, and then putting people in a, like a lot of people in a small uh, small place and not knowing really how to do waste management and and live, mm. it's, it's very new to a civilization to do that. Um, basically, people are depressed, people are getting sick, people are unhappy because they don't have a good quality of life. And eventually after this happened, someone was like, something's gone wrong, right? This is not, you know, no one's happy, we're getting sick, something's gone wrong. And so the pendulum swung uh, to the renunciate path, which in India, people were basically renouncing home life, wandering off into the forest. Um, and this is where like the idea of like the monk's robes come from, obviously like depending on the culture, yeah. it's all different. But what they used to do is that there's a movement called the, the Shramana movement where they renounced their actual clothing. Instead, they found uh, thrown away rags uh, and then they basically soaked the rags in turmeric, mm. which if you ever used it, it mm, stains okay. everything yeah. forever. <laughs> um, so yeah, and they started wearing yellow robes mm. and people do that in the modern day as well. Um, so this was the renunciate path, meaning that you renounce your whole household and all that sort of stuff. And eventually people wanted to have a spiritual life, but they didn't want to renounce like material possessions. They didn't want to renounce having a family, mm. having a partner, having, having a life. Mm. And so Tantra evolved out of that because there was... Um, you know, celibacy did end up becoming part of the renunciate path, um, some, mainly for practical purposes, mm. I think. Um, but yeah, and so Tantra evolves basically saying that, no, the, uh, the path of the spiritual path can involve sex, can involve uh, material possessions, can involve family, can involve being interacting with the physical world. And yeah, and that's kind of like where it led. So back to your question, how was magic weaved in? A lot of people think when we say yoga that it is like poses, right? But in original yoga, there was only like three or four poses and they were all still poses. They were basically just ways to hold your body so you can focus on the internal world. And so it was always a uh, path of connection to your internal world or the, the greater cosmos mm. or something like that, which the yogis didn't really see as a separate thing. Mm. You know, we think of like, oh, is it either psychological? Is it going inward? Or are we connecting like outward, right? Anyone who's had a plant medicine journey, mm. you know, like is, are you going outward to the cosmos, expanding, or are you going like infinitely inward? Um, Bukwana lost us. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> it, it's, and I think in like magic and in the spiritual pursuit, uh, you kind of need to be able to hold these paradoxes in your body uh, because your mind, your intellectual mind will get in the way. But you, you can, and that's what we're going to get to. And I'll, um, Cassandra can lead us off on the next part, but that's a good introduction because I think so, some people are too, way too much in the intellectual thing where they're trying to uh, rationalize everything to do with spirituality, where eventually you need to bypass the rational side of you to really hold the paradox to hold these concepts in your body and experience them properly. 
but on the other side of it, if you have no logic, if you have no rationalization, if you haven't checked, like, where did these practices come from? Did, did some, someone just make it up a few days ago? Or is this actually something that's been passed down? And if it's been passed down, I'm not saying that old, older is best, but usually something that works will continue onwards. Whereas a lot of people are just making stuff up as they go. Mm -hmm and then claiming it to be ancient yeah. downloaded knowledge. Uh, so, yeah, there's lots that I could say on this. Which but is, yeah, it's a nice segue into what we're actually going to be talking about today, which is things that basically piss us off in the New Age spiritual community. And just to preface that, we, as Daniel was saying with Tantra, which is a non-dualistic framework. So that's the framework that we're coming from, as well as a bit of a stoic framework just in life in general, which I'll probably do a podcast on in the future, um, which is basically meaning that we believe everything is divine and not in the wishy-washy bypassing way, but in the sense of not condemning the spectrums that make up humanity, that there is no good or evil entities, that they, the energy just is and they just are. And it's the will and intention of the practitioner which directs it into the funnel of, quote, good and evil. We both take self-responsibility and we also believe in individual sovereignty and with that comes the engagement and harnessing of all aspects of life, that there's lessons within the shadow. So how can we work with that and transmute it into a lighter energy to accept that in life, we're going to experience every emotion and every energy because that's, that's just life. So not to bypass one because it's bad, but to bring compassion and curiosity into it. Also to preface that despite it seeming like we're making fun <laughs> of the new age community, it's more so rooted in seeing the harm and the issues we're bringing forth uh, and what they're doing to the people and also to cultures. What we're sharing, we're hoping will spark your curiosity into your own beliefs. And so if you feel triggered by what is expressed in this episode, just sit with it and be curious about that emotional response and where it may come from. And because we are talking about core beliefs and frameworks, it may feel sensitive to some, so what I invite you to do is to just tune into your body and see if you feel in a safe enough nervous state to listen to this episode. And if not, I invite you to save it and come back to this episode when you're feeling a little bit more solid within yourself. So as a nice little segue, <laughs> <laughs> I feel exactly what you're saying, which for me comes down to context and the history, which is my number one thing that pisses me off. There's multitudes of different things. One is this community that's talking about how to transcend your ego, how to raise up to the 5D and be this pompous bastard, basically, but they just think that they're these enlightened beings. And at the same time, they're, so, they're looking down on people and condemning people. And it goes into that Christian mindset and framework of piety and sin, of once you've transcended this, once you've um, confessed to your sins, <laughs> you are in this enlightened state and you'll get into heaven. You're, you're, you're there waiting to be God's, you know, little minions. And then they look down on people instead of elevating them up, they're looking down on them of, oh, those people, they're just so stuck in the 3D. They're so, oh, they're so materialistic. Makeup, what, if, what even is that? They're wearing this, they're doing that. And it's just condemning people for things that are, yeah, they're 3D things, right? 
they're part of this world. They're there meant for us to experience and to take pleasure in. And I know that is for you a big thing as well, Daniel, when like we're talking about with pleasure and the material and then going into the Christianity satanic side and that dichotomy, but the interrelatedness of them both. Um, if that's something that you <laughs> want to talk into a bit of what you've seen in the New Age community in relation to the similarities with Christianity and the more so like the energetics behind behind that, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think like a lot of this, before we get into too much of it, like people don't ask each other what they actually mean by the words that they say. Mm. People just assume that you know, when you're saying certain words like 5D and 3D and even satanic and all these kind of things that like, you know, everyone has the same perspective and opinion on certain things. And yeah, and a lot of the time they don't. And and to be honest, to be completely honest, like most of the people who use these words have no idea either. Mm. They've just heard someone talk about the 5D and they want to be seen as someone else who understands like enlightenment or is enlightened so it's like okay okay of course i'm going to use 5d yeah we're all in 5d it's et like cetera, a boost of self-esteem as well of like oh yeah i'm in the 5d i'm so much better than you but asking like what does that mean so mm. okay it's like cool okay we're focusing on the 5d what is the 5d oh it's like ascending to a higher frequency okay what is ascending to a higher frequency looks like oh it's um you know like having more compassion it's like more compassion for humans it's like yeah for humans uh, well, humans live in the 3D, don't we? Like, oh, yeah, but, like, you know, it's it's just unpacking mm. things. And it, it's, yeah, it's it's problematic because when you actually start to logically unpack these things, people end up squirming too much because they, they have to, to actually unpack their mm. own th stuff and, and talk about these logically, which a lot of people don't like to do. Or they'll just say, oh, like, like they'll just say slogans like, oh, you don't understand or mm. it like, can't be explained. And in my experience, yeah, like <laughs> anything, um, anything that you can't like explain at least to a, like, it, you know, and people think of so many things I want to say <laughs> that like my words are kind of like yeah. running all over each other. Yeah, so, so we'll start off with like, what is non-dualism? Because uh, Cass said, um, you know, I, I work with a non-dualist philosophy and it's seeing things as being on a spectrum rather than just black and white and flipping the switch. Now, like an example would might be uh, being straight or being queer or gay, and like and people say, oh, you're either one or the other. Where like non-dual perspective would say everyone's on a sliding spectrum. Mm. You know, um, I haven't had an experience uh, of uh, like a sexual experience with a man. But then me and, me and Cass joke is like, I just haven't found the right exactly. man yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, but I I have seen men like uh, that I'm attracted to, but it just hasn't pushed me f enough mm. far on the other spectrum to, to explore that. I know that's a funny example, but uh, people tend to, yeah, say one or the other and label things where as a non-dualist perspective is saying that everything is on the sliding spectrum, even, you know, awakening, right? Mm. People are, like think it's just like a switch. It's like you're asleep or you're mm. awake. You're woke or you're not. Whereas non-dualism says that it's like you're, there's always progress to be made. There's, mm. there's always this sliding scale or this spectrum. 
And if we can start to apply this to lots of different experiences that we have, um, you know, like hot or cold, what is hot or cold? Hot would be like higher in temperature than what you were experiencing a moment ago, mm. right? Like, is this making sense? I think so. <laughs> Not really the hot and cold. <laughs> well, I, I, there's every- different degrees of hot and there's different degrees of cold. And what I feel like, okay, talking about the shower, for example, I like hot showers. It feels really nice on my body. Daniel likes cold showers. I can turn the heat up quite a lot. I think that's just being a woman and with just high heat tolerance. And I, and I feel it's really nourishing, whereas you're like, that's like scalding hot, that's too hot, can we turn it down, or something like that. Yeah, I guess I'm just, <clears throat> yeah, trying to explain this, all, also all relative. So, you know, someone who spends more time, okay, we're in Australia, right? So, you know, when we had, we just had visitors from Melbourne and Sydney uh, a couple of weeks ago, and up here, the temperature is not that cold for them, even when it's cold for us because they're acclimatized. Mm. And so what I guess I'm saying is people are acclimatized to a certain way of living and then if it doesn't, uh, it's not the same as them, they kind of, yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of it as well, I was just thinking like with the with Christian's influence, like we'll end up doing a podcast on this eventually of our qualms with um, doctrine and frameworks around the world. But... I've heard a lot of comparisons being made with the New Age movement, which I'll just quickly define, or not really define, because I don't really think it's definable, but it was a movement in, honestly, the last hundred years, um, which was created by a couple of people, but it really started coming through in the 1970s. And that's where you get the idea of the Age of Aquarius, which you know, you hear the song, like, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to sing it, but <laughs> there was do a song. It, do it, sing it. <laughs> there were songs and there was a lot of novels and, like, fictional novels that were talking about the age of Aquarius, starseeds, because of things that were being declassified, information that was making its way into the mainstream media to do with Area 51 and a lot of um, ideas of aliens coming down into Earth around the 50s and 60s. And so a lot of people were getting onto that and it made its way into pop culture, which obviously we know how the world is very much dictated by pop culture. And yeah, there was and a lot of the beliefs nowadays around starseeds and aliens come from the 70s and the 1800s primarily. But a lot of them are coming from proper fictional novels instead of academic <laughs> sources. <laughs> and, but yeah, there's... So New Age, I feel it's a just a, a, an eclectic grab bag. I heard that reference being made to mm. the New Age community, which I was like, I like that. Uh, eclectic grab bag of Eastern mysticism, Western occultism, neo-paganism, and human potential psychology. This is a quote made by Douglas uh, Gruthius in the 1980s. And he said that New Age spokespeople tend to view the true essence of all religion to be one, bearing in mind that what we find in the West is, of course, a very sanitized, safe and westernized version of what was taught in the East for millennia. And we can still see that today. It's a very much watered down spirituality and not many people are wanting to look into the roots and the context and the history of the traditions, because once they do... You can see the links, one, to the uh, to the east and to 
esoteric occult knowledge, and then they're very, very, very quick to label it as demonic and satanic. And then that's when it's a, a pipeline back into Christianity, which um, we've seen a lot of quite recently. <laughs> yeah, and I just feel like people don't realise that whatever they're doing or whatever they believe is filtered through what they've grown up with and the culture they've grown up with. And and not just in the West, but, like, anyone who watches general TV or, like, gen, you know, um, it's all very highly Christianized content, like, especially in the case of watching, like, movies about mm. spirits and things like that. It's always, like, these, you know, demonic spirits that are going to kill you or possess mm. you and all this sort of stuff. And so even when we're looking at uh, different traditions and different, like, Eastern traditions, like, if you've, if you haven't unpacked the lens that you're looking through, everything is going to be coloured from that. Mm -hmm. And the, I have a very different perspective in what, like, ascension should, like, is or should be technically. Like, and that's why I really encourage you that if you are talking about ascending or are talking about the 5D, is just to unpack, like, what that actually means because for me, in the tantric perspective, is, is I call it, like, I actually like to call it spiritual descent, rather than ascent because you're kind of digging deeper through the layers mm. and so the outermost layer is like the the stuff that's i guess people would call the ego but it's also just like the these parts of yourself that you think is more solid right and this is what we're doing in the teacher training we're focusing on unpacking the layers so like first we're like very earthy right the earth element we think everything is fixed and everything is the way it is but then we actually start to loosen this up and we realize there's actually like gaps in between for water to flow through and then we actually start to see our reactive forces and turn to fire and then eventually the element of wind is really like that that complete freedom and then ending up in the void and you can see this through unpacking through the physical layer, our mind, um, it's called our heart mind, because in, in the yogic tradition, they didn't really see, like in the Western psychology, we, we see emotions and thoughts as kind of different things. Mm. And it is a useful idea, but uh, there's a saying that every, every conscious thought is a subconscious emotion, mm. and every conscious emotion is a subconscious thought, in that thoughts and, and feelings are connected, right? Mm. So you might feel, oh, I, I feel angry, and it's because you've got a thought or a story that someone has wronged you, yeah. right? Or you've got a thought about something um, that is actually brought up by an emotion that you're feeling, which links to the thought. So it's like this loop. And once, and that's the beauty about yoga, is you, like proper yoga and tantra, is you can start to unpack these, and then you, you start to, I feel, develop a bit of a sense of humor about yourself because you realize you have all these like automated processes and all these like pre-made judgments that you like once you unpack you're like why do I even think that and I think that's what the this ascension model in in new age is perpetuating they're saying I'm ascending to this higher consciousness mm. but then why do, do the people that ascend get more and more judgy mm. like to me and that's what I, I why I don't believe or follow any kind of doctrine or any kind of spirituality or religion that has a very judgmental major deity because to me true divine and true true spirit or spirituality becomes less and less judgy the more pure it becomes mm. and that's tantra the idea of like what you would call god or what you would call the goddess or 
or uh, source or the, the essence of everything is it can't judge because as soon as it judges, it's actually uh, constricting itself. Mm. It's 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 uh, focusing on a particular part, whereas like pure like source is expansive. It can't judge, and that's why I think you know, that, and that's basically my perspective on why the Christian God is like not the God. It's just mm. an aspect of the divine. I'm not saying it's like not real, but to me, from a tantric perspective. The, the Christian God or like the, you know, the Abrahamic God, that anything that judges um, is just a small aspect of the divine. And like, you can't tell. Uh, and I think it's, it's a way like there's so, again, so many thoughts that ran through my head then. <laughs> that was funny to touch on and I've probably forgotten them now, but a lot of it is, yeah, exactly what you said of like the ascension and the judgment. And I feel judgment has a purpose of, showing you what you need to work on more of if you're judging someone it's like oh okay are they I use more like it's triggered something in me to reflect on of like oh this is jealousy that's coming up okay why am I jealous is it because I'm seeing that they have something that I've been wanting okay how can I transmute this to okay and you've helped me so much in this of one seeing it less as jealousy and more as motivation to see that okay what they've done is achievable therefore I can do it too. Mm. And giving you as is a, like a guiding light as opposed to letting that jealousy overrule you. And like a lot of the Christian, I call it a mythology, a lot of what they say in it has really awesome concepts and ideas and messages within it, yet it's how it's then used, which is the issue. And I think that's a lot with a lot of different things. You could say the same like with Tantra, the core of it, amazing. How people can use it is where it can be debatable. I don't know if it has been used in a in a negative sort of light in the past, but yeah, I'm sure you can it see it as like it transmuting into neo uh, neo tantra and just purely focused on sex and the the sexual energy that courses through everything. And then, yeah, it's the I don't feel like it's source that judges you. It's the people, and then that goes into again of people trying to transcend the physical and the material of uh, to get to source. And I keep saying I'm like with anything, even conspiracy theories of like, I won't know anything until I'm dead. And I get to a point of, okay, my brain actually can't think further past this, this concept. And it kind of pulls me back into the physical and in the, into the humanness. And I'm like, okay, I'm not meant to know that right now. And I remember you saying in a, in a journey that you had of the message you got is that we're here to laugh, play and dance and sing and, and be merry, you know, mm. and that's, I think that's the core of it. And we can philosophize about all of life and try to decode why we're here and what we're doing. And I love doing that. <laughs> My Scorpio Rising investigator archetype really comes through. But at the end of the day, we're here for a human experience. Mm. And why is there so much shame with embracing the human experience and that can go into I just keep coming back to makeup because that was one thing of like entering into the spiritual community I felt shame around wearing makeup because people had um, renounced it mm. very renunciatory renouncing technology renouncing makeup renouncing this that and the other whereas I was wanting to embrace it and I think it comes down to how once again how you're using those things how you're using makeup. Is it a way to express yourself or is it a way to cover up something and mask mm. something? 
therefore look into that. Technology, are you using it to distract yourself? Look into why you're distracting yourself. Or we're in the age of information. We have so much information, free information at our fingertips and people are not using that privilege. Yeah, it's crazy like how much people don't look into stuff. They just, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. Like we, yeah, we have more access to information and knowledge more than mm. ever, but yet the least percentage of people actually use it. But, um, but yeah, there's a few things that I want to touch on here because um, one of the things that you were saying about, um, yeah, for example, uh, what Cass mentioned was I, I did, a, if anyone's heard of the hero's journey, uh, plant medicine journey, it was like a solo journey that I did. Um, basically, I fasted for three days, did ritual practices every day. I was by myself. A good friend of mine, she gave me her house for a few days by myself. And yeah, and then I did a... Um, the hero's dose of uh, psilocybin mushrooms, mm. uh, which was a big, big dose. And it was um, the most beautifully terrifying experience of my life. But what I got out of it, it to summarize is that in essence, my message that I got um, is the universe just wants to laugh and dance and anything else is just, you know, less important, mm. I guess, to a certain extent. And that's the thing, right? Like, one, this is just my interpretation. I'm not saying that this is the ultimate law of the universe and, you know, this is how people start religions, start cults and stuff, or just start the cult of the laughing and dancing universe. Um, I mean, I'm sure it would be a pretty good cult, yeah, but <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if what happens. If you're the leader, I'd join it. Um, but also, what do you do with that on a practical level? And that's the thing, my issue and what Cass was really, like, delving into is, like, we are here for a human experience. It's like when we have these realizations, whether that's in meditation, whether that's, I mean, I have relation, I have realizations if I'm in the shower or working out or on the toilet or, you know, like who knows, but like it's what, what can you do with these on a practical level? Otherwise, so what, you know, you might say, Oh, I, I connected with uh, uh, the divine source. It's like, cool. So like, how does, is that changed? Like, are you still going to be like a dick to your partner? Mm -hmm. Are you still going to, uh, you know, are you going to have more compassion? Like, how is that changing how you show up in the day-to-day? -day? And if it's not changing how you show up in the day-to-day, -day, then really what is the point? Because mm. you can talk all you want about the 5D and talk all you want about, like, you know, this ascendedness, mm. but what good is that in this world? And I think that's what the problem here because people forget or more so they just try to ignore mm. the, the fact that even though they're having a spiritual experience, what is experiencing that? Like you're having that spiritual experience in your physical body, yeah? And even these out-of-body experiences, you're still having that as a human. Mm. Like, and that's the thing that people like, you know, try to convince everyone's like, no, I was out of my body. I was in this like, you know, cosmic light. It's like, yeah, but you're still like, are you alive right now? Like mm. you might have felt like you're out of your body, but could it be that your body is actually allowing you to have that experience? Mm. And I'm not saying that there's not some like deeper part of you that's outside your physical body, like your soul, for example. But I'm just saying to like not completely bypass it. People are just thinking that these spiritual experiences are having them completely outside of them, their mm. physical body. And, and this is, yeah, very renunciate-based thinking. And that's the thing that like it's been perpetuated by the yoga world as well because a lot of uh, modern yoga teacher trainings and, and yoga stuff is based on things like the Yoga Sutras, mm. um, which is very, very enunciate based. Mm. If you actually l read a lot of the stuff, he. Um, which many don't. 
Yeah, like it's very, um, yeah, not very kind to the body. And, um, and you, you know, in some of the practices, you're meant to like look at your body with disgust mm-hmm. and um, to kind of, yeah, it's, it's very, uh, yeah, dualistic, um, very connected to the Christian like spirit good. Yeah, uh, material bad, physical what, bad. What you've uh, shared with me, it kind of reflects a bit of like Jehovah's Witnesses of, um, and I think it's, I don't know if it's Mormons as well, but how their view is we're all sinners, we're all bad, we're all disgusting, yeah. we're all this, and it's setting the bar very, very, very low, and it's a continual strive to get rid of it and it's Mm. also very uh gnostic as well like just looking into with the new age community like they said um like with the gnostic uh which was christian gnosticism yeah yeah form of christianity yeah as i understand gnosticism is like is is kind of like the bridge between kind of like yoga tantra to a certain extent and christianity Mm. Uh, it's actually something i've recently started looking into more because i've obviously we want to talk about this more so um, I've been trying to research a little bit more, but yeah, I can't, I don't have a lot to say on it right now, but yeah, it yeah. is kind of the connection. So Gnosticism would be the connection between the East and the Western kind of. Yeah. And cause like Gnosis means knowing and knowledge yeah. and they say like salvation was said to come through Gnosis, through knowledge, but then also what is that knowledge? And that a special hidden esoteric knowledge was revealed only to an elite sect, select group. This was based on a view of the world which says that matter is evil, what we've been saying. Matter is evil and spirit is good. Matter is the devil. Hmm. Spirit is God. So we need to transcend the material world. We need to bypass and shove down (laughs) any humanness Hmm. because it's Luciferian and it's the devil and it's Satan, which we can touch on. We'll do again. Yeah, there's going to be so many sub episodes from this, but. And that's why we see the symbolism, like in the tower, the devil card Mm. in the tower, like linked to like like carnality. Was it carnality, carnalism? Basically like the physical world, like (laughs) the carnal, primal. The carnal desire, human, animalistic, the flesh. It's the fleshiness. And from. (laughs) The fleshiness. The fleshiness. (laughs) And from a framework that was trying to transcend the flesh despite it being quite cannibalistic in um, nature with the blood and flesh of christ that's early christians had a very bad rap because yeah people were like they're cannibals <laughs> they're eating the blood and flesh <laughs> of christ <laughs> who knows maybe earlier on they were actually cannibals um and yeah they're trying to transcend the flesh transcend the the sexuality the sexual desire the passions all of that to become this pious, boring <laughs> human with no, honestly, like no, no, no duality or like no, um, I forgot the word, but it's just like, I'm thinking, I'm seeing like a roller coaster. Like it's just a straight line. But the thing is, it's like, what do so anyone who hasn't read Sapiens should definitely do so. It's really, really good. But they talk about um, the, the religion or the beliefs of a culture um, basically end up becoming the symbolism or the you know the eventuation of what they value, mm. and a lot of that is based on what they think is going to happen after you die, right? Because you think of how these cultures evolve, like death was very much a part of life, mm. and so it's natural to develop theories about what happens, and you see people living their lives 
depending on what they expect for when they die. And so that's why like Christianity is called a death cult, right? Because they basically, their, their primary focus is on what happens after you die mm. and they sacrifice this life for the other life. Mm. So they see, they see as if I sacrifice anything good and pleasurable in this life, and like punish myself essentially, like you know, you, yeah. see, you see like all the flagellation and all these different things and different forms of um, Christianity, Christianity and Catholicism and stuff, um, sacrificing for eternal afterlife, and that's mm. very like Abrahamic. That's mm. very like focused on that. But you see that in some of the cultures as well. Yeah. You you trade now for a potential um, thing, which I think is really illogical and just personally doesn't mm. gel with me. Whereas a lot of the Eastern traditions, they're more more believe in like a cyclical framework. Whereas like I would call Christianity or Abrahamic religions as a linear framework. Mm. What I mean is we start off here and then we end up in a destination and that's where we end up and that's it, mm. right? Um, and when I look at the overall universe, everything else works in cycles, right? And it's like that, that hermetic saying, as above, so below, you know, I, f I feel like everything else works in cycles, so why shouldn't consciousness, why shouldn't uh, what we call spirit, what we call life, happen in cycles? And so reincarnation seems very logical to me. And it, it yeah, it, it makes sense that the, the whole cosmos recycles itself, mm. right? And so then we get into aspects of karma, which is very, very, very misunderstood. Mm. Um, people basically imprint a... Uh, Christianized judgment-based framework on an Indian uh, tradition, which will, I feel like we need a, another whole episode for that. Mm. Um, but, yeah, and so, like, the thing is as well, like, in that's why I really like Indo-European, like, folk traditions, like, we, we've got, like, what we call, like, the Norse and the Celtic, uh, but even, like, the Tantric ones, where they think that, well, they believe that everything's recycled, like, um, from an Indo-European framework, like Midgard, mm. right? Everyone's heard of Midgard, Middle Earth, but that's where everyone kind of gets reincarnated into. Yeah. Um, and yeah, a lot of the Tantrika have a similar idea that every consciousness is always recycled. And so it makes you, one, appreciate life more because this isn't, this isn't like the waiting room. This is the place that you want to get to. Mm. And also it makes you want to take care of it because you're going to come back. And so I look at it, I'm like, why, like, this kind of belief, right? Because in the end, no one knows. Mm. Like, I don't know. I yeah. could be wrong, right? Yeah. Um, but it, to be honest, if, like, I, I died and I showed up to, like, the pearly gates and they're like, you know, you didn't do this, I'd be like, that's all right. You sound like a judgmental prick. <laughs> I wouldn't want to hang out with you for eternity anyway. Send me to Hades, <laughs> You know like what I mean? Party, like, yeah, yeah, like, what a, like, seriously. Um, it's that absolute. Talk about needing self-work and shadow yeah. work. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> like, God needs to do uh, yeah. work. He needs to reunite with Lucifer. <laughs> yeah, but uh, to me, it just doesn't seem logical. And mm. I'm more, like, I still have no idea what's going to happen when I die. But I think it's something more around the idea of my consciousness gets recycled in some way. Um, it makes more sense, like you say, because we are literally cyclical beings and a, a prime example of that is looking to women, like of our menstrual cycles and then extending that into an emotional state, like taking away from the physical to the emotional of things keep coming up, like things that I thought I've worked through and then another Mercury retrograde comes around <laughs> and it shows up in another form and I'm like, oh, I thought I worked through that. Okay, what's another layer I can 
work through this on and it just keeps going and, and keeps coming up, it keeps working through and it's just another way for you to view a situation, to shed more compassion on it and to see where else it's reflecting in your life and it's, I think a lot of it comes back down to compassion which the New Age community again like a lot of what they're preaching they're not embodying they're preaching mm. about being at one with the world yet completely disregard elitism and their privilege and their class and saying, um, oh, just all peace and love yet are so judgmental, mm. are saying, oh, you need to transcend the ego, yet the ego is basically like your identity and the lens through which you view things in a conscious level. And they're attaching their whole identity onto being a Pleiadian from outer exactly. space and, yeah. and doing X, Y, and Z. So you haven't killed off your ego. And what does that even look like? Are you constantly killing off your ego or is your ego shifting and evolving? And how can you make friends with it as opposed to being like, see you later because I want to get to the core of spirituality. Yet that's also a very scary thing. And I think people are wanting a quick answer. They're wanting to have that awakening, having, I'm going to use this out of context for a reason, but have that Kundalini awakening mm -hmm. and experience. And then it's like, cool, well, what after that? Like you're, you're awakened so what? Mm. <laughs> Literally what you say. How can you integrate that into your life? How can you embody that? And what does that even mean or look like? And then when a, a more negative, in quotes, or just a, I feel I'm wanting to move more towards using the language of a dense energy and a lighter energy, but not in the sense of a dense is bad. It's just it's holding more weight. And so how can I, because I want to feel light because where you feel light, you feel, I feel anyway, joy and fluidness and that dense energy is keeping me into a physical human state <laughs> where it's trying to find that balance. But it's also like, you know, you can see density as resistance, right? Mm. But resistance is actually necessary for growth. Um, and, you know, gravity is, is a resistance, but it allows us to actually... So, for example, if there's no gravity, you wouldn't really be able to control where you're going so much because, like, the the ability to be able to press back on something allows us to move. Mm. Um, and resistance is literally how we grow muscles. It's mm. how we grow. And so I, I feel like there's, there's seasons, right? You know, we're talking mm. about cy cyclical living and stuff before. And so, like, my winter might be going in and like going through maybe a difficult time or something like that or like going going through some growth and digesting ideas and things and then summer could be coming out and actually expressing those ideas and I think like a a bountiful or like a, a full human life has an experience of both lightness and playfulness and fun and experiencing like the fruits of our labor mm. but then also we need things um that give us resistance right so even like even relationships like you know people were, you know i see so much like people like oh i just want someone that's not going to play games and i want you know this and this and this mm -hmm. but then they get like a nice person who is just way too upfront and and they're like oh no that's way too much too soon mm -hmm. kind of thing they want resistance they want the game they want the play mm -hmm. and so like it's this interplay of both but all density and all resistance is not going to be fun at all you're going to be burnt out yeah um but that's why I like the so there's this thing um, in yoga called the purushathas, uh, and it can translate to the four desires, mm. um, and this is uh, kama, arthur, uh, moksha, 
and um, oh, this is my slogan. I've got a mental blank. Uh, but basically, it translates to uh, pleasure, power, purpose, dharma. There we go. There's the last one. It's the most popular one. Kama Artha Dharma Moksha. So, uh, just put simply, dharma is like your purpose, and that's what you know. If your purpose was too easy, you'd accomplish it, and then you'd have no purpose yeah. anymore, right? It's like what you were talking about yeah. being uh, being awakened. Like if you if you just turn it on and be awakened now, what's the purpose and what's mm. the goal? You get bored. And so Dharma is our life purpose. What are we striving for? What like quest do we have? What do we want to overcome? What do we want to achieve? And then um, you know we have our Kama, which is is different from Karma. It's K A M A, and that's like how do we do that while achieving joy, mm-hmm. right? Um, so not obviously burning ourselves out and having too much density. So like Kama is how I perceive that lightness you were talking about. Mm-hmm. So how can we? achieve our purpose through density, through resistance, and feel like we've done something with our life, but how can we also bring joy to it? Mm-hmm. And then Arthur is, is like, I translate it to power, but it's really, like, the means of achieving that. So, like, you know, if your purpose is to help humanity, how are you going to do that if you live out of a box? Mm-hmm. Like, by the, you can't get anywhere, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Uh, so it's a purpose to achieve that. And then Moksha is, is also how can you also feel free mm-hmm. um, and, and liberation? And we're getting towards the tail end of the podcast now, and there's so many things I want to talk about. Mm. But there's one other thing that you touched on earlier that I really like to talk about, and and it's like when we label these things good or bad. And you know, nothing is essentially good or bad until it's put in a situation. Like mm. Alistair Crowley, uh, famous quote by Alistair Crowley, um, is a spacesuit in space is good. Right? Mm. So if you were forced to wear a space suit in space, you would say that's a good thing, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you get to survive, yeah. Yay. yeah. But a space suit in the Sahara Desert is bad. Mm. Imagine if you're forcing someone to wear a space suit in the Sahara Desert. Mm. Not a good thing, right? Um, like even, even death, for example, that's like an extreme example. Mm. But, you know, some people, like, I think deserve to have, you know, like if, if they want to, depending on what their belief is, like that should be given them to the right. But to, to, uh, unconsensually uh, or non-consensually mm. take someone's life away is bad, mm. right? So death isn't bad because some people, you see these like movies and stuff where yeah. people get to live forever and then they, all they want to do is die, yeah. right? You know, it's um, so so many different things. Like you have... Um, it's like, not the thing, it's the, the it's whether action it's consen- towards it. And, and like that's the whole thing, again, like just because I like the archetype of Lucifer and... and as in general, but he or it was the one that placed the object or the temptation or the thing for people to respond to. He didn't make you choose to do it or not to do it. He was simply the one to place it there. And then it was as a way of seeing if that person would respond to, I'm just going to use the word temptation, right, of say Garden of Eden. The one who, the snake that was like, oh, there's a fruit there and, you know, nothing else. But it was Eve that was like, oh, there is. I want that fruit. Could have said, no, I don't want that fruit. But they chose to do that. So then that goes into free will, which a lot of Christians are kind of wanting and, and striving for. Yet free will is the, the, it's a paradox. There's all, there's the whole world and cosmos and humanity is a paradox, which, yeah, kind of goes into the idea of absolutism, of nothing, really, not, like not much is absolute apart from we are born. <laughs> We live and we die. Mm. 
the only absolute grab the idea of gravity could even that only came about in the 1700s like gravity as the concept was discovered by Isaac Newton apple on the head before that they knew that this thing was here but not many people inquired into it but the idea because it's only like 300 or so years old could change in the next 100 years would be like actually it's not really gravity it's blah 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 <laughs> scientific terms um, but things are constantly changing and evolving and ideas are changing and evolving and just because you've channeled it doesn't mean it's true or is the truth it's true to you it's your experience but your truth isn't someone else's truth and our truth today what we're speaking could be completely yeah. Not your truth, and, and I that's chill. Yeah, and I, I think we intended on really diving into the whole channeled versus learned thing, mm. and I think that's that would an be a, in yeah another another episode <laughs> because yeah I think it's really yeah really problematic and disrespectful um, to to cultures where these traditions came from in so many ways. Mm. Um, but there's just a oh, I keep forgetting you keep on like. <laughs> touching on really important things that I want to expand upon, but I also don't want to interrupt you and, and break your flow. Um, but, oh, the, just the last thing about, um, you know, and, and we're not saying that things, because that's the thing as well, I think when people give a moral compass or a model ideology mm. to something, they think that this is the, the absolute right. Mm. And, like, it would be easy to argue, uh, like, everyone would agree that it's wrong to, like, kill someone, right? Mm. Um, well, most people. Mm. I'm sure some psychopaths are like, actually, <laughs> Dexter. He's, yeah. he's like, um, or, or um, Lonely Boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, we could all agree that, uh, for example, like, and I don't know if we have to put trigger warning or something in for this, but, like, yeah. we would all, all agree that rape yeah. is, is bad, right? Yeah. But the thing is, like, what we're asking you to do like we're not saying that these things aren't bad horrible messed up things but what is like like the hot and cold what is the the concept mm. right and so killing someone is taking away life like i said before it's non-consensually taking away life so you can say is sex bad no like well i'm sure some some, people, some religions yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but non-consensual depending on how you view it yeah. yeah that's the thing like so like consensual sex good non-consensual sex bad mm. and so like that's why like we're just asking you guys to unpack this and be like okay if if pretty much everything is relative and feel free to send send us some examples if mm. you can find ones that like are more i don't know concrete this and this sort of stuff are, yeah yeah um but then what is the defining factor and it's freedom mm. right if if death isn't bad and it's just taking someone's away against their choice, then it's, it's choice. And same with the sex thing. Mm. It's, it's taking someone's choice away. So taking someone's freedom away. Mm. And so having a religion or having an ideology that says that everyone has to act a certain way would by definition be evil, mm. right? And it's done at birth when we don't... A lot of it is done at birth before we're conscious of awareness and of choice. And a lot, like, I'm grateful that in the world that we live in, in Australia, and in for myself in a family that is very liberal, I was baptised and brought up briefly Lutheranism, or Lutheran, which is a sub-branch of Christianity. So you're baptised, and then the belief is that 
baptized at birth because a lot of the reason for baptism, multitude of different reasons, but a lot of the time is because of the infancy death rate earlier on. So if they died, at least they were pure and they went to heaven because that's what you would want for your children. But in the modern time, that's not really the case anymore. So the idea is that you're baptized at birth to, you know, in case you die young, and then you have a choice later on to get a second baptism, which is like, yeah, no, I agree with this and I want to enter the, the church again, which I think makes total sense. Whereas, yeah, we're brought up and we're in, and indoctrinated and brainwashed from a very young age through a time of being a sponge and being so impressionable. We've been given these frameworks to view life in without us even knowing it. And I, I'm still deconstructing my, Christi my Christian upbringing and because it's everywhere in society and I catch myself now and again, I'm like, oh, that is coming from this. And it's just uh, like, yeah, the New Age community, I feel a very much lacking framework, which again is a, just a tunnel back into Christianity because it's a safe hold. And it's showing that there are different frameworks that you don't have to be a complete dick to. <laughs> mm. Like you don't have to ruin and disrespect people's cultures by just taking things from them and watering it down and taking away the sacredness and the importance of it because just because it's a colonial thing. Um, it's showing that you can enter frameworks and these are frameworks here that you can enter into, but also you have to treat it with respect. You have to go through the right initiatory practices for some. It's just, it's honestly like- Just unpack your shit first. Unpack your shit first and be a respectful person and don't impose your your truth onto other people. Be curious and have a discussion. Yeah, without just ask being questions. Like, like yeah. people even talking about sh like shadow work is like you know very popular thing, you know trending thing now, and which is a good thing. But if people are approaching their shadows with a very judgmental perspective rather than a compassionate, almost sense of humor like mm. perspective, while also not, you know, when I say sense of humor, if you have some very very <laughs> bad habits. Mm. Um, don't just be like, shrug it off and be like, oh, that's just a part of me. It's like asking questions. And like, that's the thing, like so many people are just shouting answers and opinions and not asking each other questions. This is why I just, because we're, we're pretty much coming up to an hour now, so um, it'd just be good to kind of yeah. tail end it here. Um, but I just like us both to kind of recap some of the, the main mm -hmm. points is that, yeah, I think, the important thing is to ask questions like where where did this belief come from is it serving me um you know why do i think this way and yeah and just kind of unpacking it and gently compassionately but then also asking like what the practical application of all this um is in the end because yeah if it's if it's not doing yourself or other people justice and like also just just quickly that everyone sees things differently i think that's the point mm. Like, if everyone saw everything exactly the same, that we'd all just be one being with a bunch of eyes, mm. you know, <laughs> which we kind of are in, like, a, you know, in a big, like, in a tantric perspective, we're kind of like this primordial cosmic consciousness goo thing that is experiencing itself through many different perspectives. Like, to a cyclops, we look crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but that's the idea, to see everything slightly different, um, because... You know, Cass might think everything is blue and I think everything's red, but uh, she can share her her blue lens with me and help me see the word more blue. 
um, and I can do the same with my red one, but then when we synthesize and mix ours together, we get purple, which is a brand new mm. way of, of um, sharing the world. And, and that's uh, how a lot of concepts evolve and are created. And yeah, I guess like my thing is, which that I did a podcast on context, which is very, very, very important. It's imperative, I feel, for this episode and things we've discussed in this episode of just context when things are taken in and out of context. Um, yeah, exactly what you say of um, looking into things either logically and academically, but also with yourself, of your beliefs, and just being curious and being open to discussions mm. and doing the work on yourself in whatever way that is to... I feel like it's important to be able to hold those juxtaposing ideas within yourself it can be uncomfortable but it's we've got you know left and right we can hold two thoughts mm. <laughs> and then we have the middle ground and we can as you say we can synthesize those thoughts and get your idea my idea how does that feel actually it feels best when I view it in this way it's a synthesization of both of them but yeah getting off but um yeah I think that's... <laughs> yeah, cool. And I'd just like to finish off as well because I, I feel like a lot of people say things, you know, and people might have these realizations, but then it's like, what do you do with this information mm. now? So, yeah, like if you are having that, if, you, if you're thinking, oh, wow, yeah, like I, I tend to do this or I, I see this a lot or like what, you know, what can you do or what practices can you share with a, a friend who is also like you notice these sort of traits in? Um, and I guess finding you know i obviously want to say just come and do the yoga teacher training because this is like the whole first <laughs> half <laughs> the whole first half of the yoga teacher training is all unpacking the layers and how to do different practices by this but the, like if i was going to give you one practice it's just to like sit whether it's in a chair or cross-legged anywhere find a bit of stillness i know you can be fidgety feel free to fidget and you know just rotate move sway. move sway whatever but just focus on your breath and so just finding a like a breath work pattern that you can stick to and and box breathing is the best one to start with so you just go in for four pause for four out for four pause for four in for four hold for four out for four hold for four and just doing that and that can be four four heartbeats it can be four seconds it can just be four of your own counts but just like an even breath in hold at the top even breath out hold at the bottom start to do this and eventually you'll be able to get this all, like a bit more automatic and it'll allow you like to occupy your conscious mind while then you can like another part of you can start to watch and observe yourself doing that and then you'll even maybe start to observe the things behind it but that's just somewhere to start and you can do that for the rest of your life um but as Cass mentioned earlier do the fucking work <laughs> like you know uh, and it's constant you don't just reach a point and like and be like, cool, I've done this now. I've done ayahuasca. I'm healed. It's no, you have to constantly do it. It's it's life. Things are recycled. So view and your thoughts evolve and your consciousness evolves. You get new experiences that make you think a different way. From when I was 15 years old, I will view a situation quite differently to how I view things now. Yeah, just and that's the thing, yeah, just to... Yeah, exactly. Just to reiterate, like, and when I said do the fucking work, like, uh, yes, I mean, do the work. <laughs> but in, in a compassion, also just be compassionate. Like, if you, if you set a goal to do that 
you know, for example, in the yoga teacher training, we're, for the first like month, we're doing that ideally for like one to two minutes every morning. But if you miss a morning, be like, get over it and be like, <laughs> oh, don't beat yourself up. Like, yeah, you, you, you will, people will spend half an hour beating themselves up for not doing a one minute practice. Mm. It's like, instead of spending, like, wasting like half an hour of your day and being like, I'm a bad human, I'm a bad student, like, what you know just be like themselves with this (laughs) yeah and like just just you know and i know this sounds harsh but like in the reality of the situation it's like cool like do the practice every day except for when you don't do it on the day and then just do it the next day or like when you think of it just do it like it's me with this podcast i haven't done one since april and but it's life, technology. We're all human. Life. We're all imperfect. Yeah. I mean, you know, I we're have all imperfectly perfect. Exactly, <laughs> and like I have days. You know, I talk about all this sort of stuff, but you know, I have days. I'm like, oh no, I, ha- I haven't done my like mantra practice for like three or four days or a week. Like, oh no, like I was like, cool. I better sit down now and do it and get back into the habit mm-hmm. of it because for some reason, my mind's drifted off to other things and I've lost the habit. And also, like, kind of on the same sort of thought train but I thought I had before anyways is that without grief or anger or the more dense emotions we can't experience joy and happiness because Mm. if we don't have anything to compare it to we we take it for granted we get we might get bored with it but then also what's bored what is being bored and then where yeah it's just like when we're in those and like they say like you can't um appreciate a star without it being in a dark sky and it looks mm. better when it's in like a country a country setting because it's so dark there's no light pollution it just shines so brightly and I think it's just it's really beautiful of like you need both of the polarizing energies to be able to appreciate life exactly. and to be able to judge it from and a lot of the traditions that are out there are suppressing the darkness and not even acknowledging that it's there or if it does come up they judge it and they demonize it and also weaponize it. And so it's like, none of that, please. <laughs> because it is shining through, despite you thinking that it's not. But you're just projecting right now, and I can see that. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great analogy. Yeah. You know, if you've got a knife, you can, you can carve a beautiful sculpture out of wood. You can, uh, you know, chop up some vegetables and cook a beautiful dinner, mm. or you can you go can and be <laughs> a psychopath with it and do some not so great things. It's not so. the thing; it's the intention and the thing behind it. <laughs> Anyways, so use your knives nicely, please, humans. Um, have compassion for yourselves. Uh, have compassion for each other because we are of the same. Star stuff. Mm. Read Marcus Aurelius's Meditations because that is a key book. So mm-hmm. a key book, just because you, that he touches on that of what you find um, kind of negative within your foe. It's like to have compassion because they're also experiencing their own shit. Um, so Marcus Aurelius's Meditation, very short book. Sapiens and also how the fear of death has shaped human society because mm. a lot of what we discussed around death and death culture and the formations of religion is very much discussed in that, as well as the belief systems and how it's a balm for the inevitable uh, reality of death. Cool. And with that... <laughs> and they can, they can find that in the show notes? Yes, I will... Yeah, I'll link the everything and some keynotes of what we've discussed in this, and then also where to find Daniel and all of his awesomeness and amazingnesses and incredibilenesses. 
<laughs> cool, cool, cool. Yeah, you and can um, yeah, you can find me at thehouseofmajors.com. Um, come do the teach training. I do have a more um, simplified ver like co intro course coming sometime in the next three months to three years. Who knows? Um, <laughs> it'll be out soon. <laughs> um, and yeah, uh, be nice to each other. Your enemies have feelings too. <laughs> <laughs> How can you see yourself in your enemy and have compassion? Because they're also just highlighting stuff within yourself. Yes. Such is life. See an enemy. See an enemies. Um, <laughs> thank you, Daniel, <laughs> for sitting down with me and rambling. You can tell us again to the me. end of the podcast. We're, we're starting to... Mercury's direct now. We can't even blame it on that. But we've had an interesting time with um, our communication over the past couple of weeks. So we're just getting over that. It's like getting over a bad cold. Um, thank you for your presence, um, listeners, and for Daniel as well, and all the gods and deities with us. Yes. Thank you for your presence, for being here and listening to us, and thank you also for your presences and gifts. Feel free to send them to us, <laughs> to shower us with glory, gold, and uh, vegan gluten-free cupcakes. <laughs> Primarily those. Um, but yeah, enjoy the rest of your day, afternoon, evening, wherever you are in the world. And look forward to connecting with you guys in the next episode.